Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of the Own the Moment podcast. My name is TJ Lasig. I'm your host here at OTM. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, the Herzig bot himself, who set up an internal OTM NCAA March Madness tournament. And then, of course, won the bracket pool with our Discord. Justin, how does it feel to win your own March Madness tournament? The people Uh, can't be happy with you. It feels dirty. Um, I mean, and like friend of the pod, Waz, gave some fantastic prizes. One of those was number 623, Giannis seeing star. And uh, obviously the connection to the 623, the double LeBron. And after obviously my entire account, I wish it was all double LeBron jerseys. It's only three of them. So to get the double LeBron Giannis, which somehow works out for the serial, uh, you know, numerology bros, I can't be any happier than this. There we are. No more than 15 seconds into the podcast, and we're already touting the double LeBron jersey number. Welcome to Own the Moment, ladies and gentlemen. And we have a guest joining us tonight as we're going to talk a bit about the state of the Top Shot market. And with us, we have Mr. Max Minxer. Max, how are you doing tonight? Not too bad, guys. Uh, it's been an eventful day. I'll say that. Always an eventful day here in the top shot world happy to have max on with us tonight as he's put together some very interesting twitter threads over the past couple of days and we definitely want to dive into that so let me go ahead set the stage here for the beginning of the show and then we will dive into things so what we're going to do tonight is just kind of have an open conversation about the current state of the market we're going to talk through this kind of extended dip that we've been seeing talk through some signs that maybe things are starting to trend in the right direction and go through some of the things that Max highlighted in his Twitter thread as to why he is bullish on the next couple of months in Top Shot. We're also going to talk about what we've been seeing recently in the challenges that ended this week. And maybe we're seeing a a bit of some bullish news in, in terms of how the challenges have gone as well. And yeah, whatever else comes up as a part of that, we'll talk about how each of us individually are handling the marketplace. All of that good stuff. Justin, how does that sound, my friend? I think that sounds great. And I do want to preface with one thing is that, you know, this is not going to be a show um, where we're just trying to pump, pump, pump and talk about how, you know, everything's going up. We're obviously going to start a new bull market. Like now's the time. Bye, bye, bye. Um, I think Max had that fantastic thread that gives a perspective, and it's probably one that I personally agree with. Um, but there are other viewpoints out there, and there's no, by no means a strong level of confidence that this is what's going to happen. And so through the show, we will try to take those kind of um, speak to the differing perspectives out. There's a different kind of possibilities as well, because you know, as collectors, as investors, like we want to make sure that we are accounting for the range of outcomes and uh, we don't have a full level of confidence in this. We have what our beliefs are. And we'll, you know, each of us are going to talk about how we're reacting, being proactive towards all this. Um, but we want to make sure that, hey, we're trying, trying to provide our perspective. And we hope that through learning from each of us, you can help, you know, you can start to create your own. Um, but you should be devising your own. You should be creating your own strategy. You should be taking in as much as you can the whole do your own research perspective. And uh, hopefully this is going to be one input for you uh, in that larger, um, you know, larger kind of viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. makes complete sense to me. And really when it, when it boils down to it, right there, there's pretty much at a high level, three things that, that each of us individually could be doing in the market. You could be 
out there buying. You could be just holding what you have, or you could be making the decision that maybe Top Shot is not for you. You don't believe in the long term, and, and you could be out there selling. So we're just going to talk through each of those scenarios. Max, not, not a fan of selling <laughs> over there. I know that Justin and I both are not either, but we do want to respect the fact that, that maybe people out there are feeling this way and feeling like, hey, I, I joined you know, at the end of March, and ever since I joined, all I've seen is that the moments I bought went down, the moments I got in a pack went down, and you know what the heck, <laughs> this is not fun. I don't enjoy this. I, I, I missed the the bull run that happened earlier in February, and and now you know Top Shot's dead, and we definitely see the Top Shot is dead people on Twitter. So we we definitely want us to speak to that and kind of acknowledge that if it's not for you, it's not for you. And I know you know th- there's a lot of talk around the fact that. There's not any new user signups right now. They're focusing on withdrawals over at Dapper, which I think is is a great thing and kind of create that even flow of money both in and out of the Top Shot ecosystem. So I guess, Max, I'll I'll kick it to you here, you know, in terms of buying, selling, holding, where do you personally stand and uh, what what are your current takes on the marketplace? And let's not go too deep into the specific thread yet because we'll do a deep dive into that after, but just high level thoughts on the market. Well, I mean, for me, um, I'm really kind of a challenge fiend. So um, I post a lot of data on challenges. I get pretty deep into the challenges. And right now, there really aren't any that are interesting to me. Um, I haven't really gotten into the metallic gold challenges recently. I don't really like where the price points are at and where um, the rewards have ended up um, in, in the last few. So honestly, I have a few moments that I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, that I kind of want to get, especially from series one. But right now I'm not really doing a lot of buying or selling, uh, to be honest with you. I'm just kind of in a little bit of a holding pattern. I was trying to actually scoop up some of the seeing stars two moments um, over the last couple of days. And I did pick up a few, but for the most part, I've been just kind of holding. Um, I haven't been doing too much in the marketplace, um, but I mean, that can change at the drop of a hat, right? And to be fair, when you say you've been holding, that doesn't mean you've been inactive because you have been doing a crazy amount of analysis behind the scenes that have informed that decision. And we will obviously go into that. But um, no, I think like some people are like, oh, holding is lazy. Holding is not doing anything. Well, you know what? Some of the most impressive hedge funds, some of the most wealthy people will spend a hundred times saying no throughout the year. And just that one time they make that big decision to go forward. And I don't think we're to an extreme point with that with Top Shot, but we're somewhere to the point of you probably should be saying no to 10, 20 different moments that you review because each time you say no, it means you're going about your process and you're actually evaluating it. And then eventually you're finding the one that's right. Because if you're saying yes right now, 10 times out of 10, or even five times out of 10, you're probably either A, seeing something that the rest of us aren't, and that's possible, or B, you're probably, you know, not uh, not maximizing your capital by finding, you know, hey, instead of getting those five, maybe you just get that one and you double, triple up there or something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just because I'm holding, quote unquote, doesn't mean I'm not in the marketplace, right? Like I'm looking, I'm monitoring prices, I'm refreshing every morning, I'm doing the analysis, like you said. It's just like, if I don't see a price on something that I like, or I don't have like a challenge that I'm really trying to buy for, I just end up uh, not buying anything. And I'm not going to just dump all of my moments, you know, for, for no reason. Like I have a lot of them listed at prices that I would sell them for theoretically, but if they don't 
sell and I don't find any good deals, then I'm just kind of holding by default. That doesn't mean I've left the marketplace for a week, right? So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm personally in the same boat too. Haven't been making a ton of purchases or selling, de definitely not selling. I, I did make a, a couple of purchases in the last like week, but nothing crazy, but I'm the same way. Just keeping a, an eye on what what's happening, a couple of moments that I'm tracking pretty closely. And I think that's kind of a healthy way to approach this. I mean, we were in that euphoric state where it was like, buy, buy, buy everything you see, like, don't even think too much about it, just buy it. And that was the right thing to do at the time. But I really could see this trending more in the direction where for a lot of people, it's like, hey, you know, I'm going to buy one or two moments per month. And I'm going to, but, but that doesn't mean I'm not into Top Shot. It means that I'm just spending a lot of time doing my analysis, following the marketplace to find out when the right time is to make those purchases and to, to continue to build up my portfolio or whenever there's a challenge that comes into play that I'm interested in. Like patience is definitely part of the, the game plan here. And early on in Top Shot, it, it didn't pay to be patient because it, it was just a no-brainer to just buy anything. And, and that's what I was doing. And now we, we have to adjust to the way things are now. Things have flattened out a bit. We've, we, we've seen some positive-ish momentum, I would say, in the last couple of days in terms of like, it felt like for a while it was just consistently down, down, down. Right. Now we've seen things at least flatten, if not trend upwards. And that makes sense too, right? Because you're, you're going to shake off all of the users that are super not into Top Shot and just looking to get out. And maybe we're getting to the point where most of those have been shaken off. And a lot of the people that are left are, are folks like us that are holding on. And I really think that the next thing that is going to to, to start the next bull run will be when we start to get some new s user signups and start to get some more capital money flowing into the, the Dapper system. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, we, and we just saw in the most recent office hours today that they said that new signups are still being restricted. Um, yeah. So I know um, had a friend who was trying to sign up and his experience, he said, is that, yes, it's open, uh, but he had to join like a wait list or he had to, he was... Uh, trying to explain it to me um but it was definitely there was still some process that he had to go through and then he had to eventually maybe get an email to sign up so it is by no means open to the point that majority of us signed up where it was hey click connect my gmail account and i'm in and uh it seems like their reasoning is they want to make sure that when they open the floodgates they're able to manage it and uh I I really question and the you know the stuff that came out today um, with the article um, shit I am forgetting his name um, who did Dave. the yeah no no I know Vegas Davis who's the one I want to make sure I give credit who did yeah, the Taylor. Actual, oh Taylor was it Stein yeah. Taylor Stein right yeah okay um, so he did a great analysis that actually showed you know uh, Vegas Dave or whoever is this account that is pretending to be Vegas Dave um, had 55 accounts that got seeing stars and people are like, holy crap, like he has 55 accounts. No, there's 55 accounts that got the seeing stars. How many people were in line to get those seeing stars? I think it was about 150,000, maybe even 200,000. And you're looking at somewhere, I don't remember now, it was a 10 to 20% success rate. Even if we say it was 20%, you're now looking at 55 times five. So we're looking at more of 250, 300 accounts. Like these are huge operations, and this is not just an isolated incident. So if you're talking that there are people who have 300, 000, I mean, 300 of these accounts, that can make a significant impact on the market. Um, I don't exactly know what would happen with these moments after the challenges or stuff, but if you're, you know, we always talk about undercutting, we talk about the impact of the market. 
if you have these bots, these ones that are literally just trying to go because they have nefarious um, motives and they're trying to either sell to get dapper and figure out how to consolidate and then maybe only gives one moment or such, like that can have a major impact in the market. And so we as an individual maybe just feel it on the drops, on the actual packs, like, oh, I didn't get one. But what we're not seeing is that impact on the market. And if we can get rid of that, I think that is actually one of the most under, uh, under-discussed, under-realized potential keys to the market to actually driving up this price later when we know the buyers are real, the sellers are the ones that are potentially fake. When we know those now are removed, how does that provide a bit more of an equilibrium and then you know trustworthy market? Shout out to Taylor Stein in the there chat. Go, nice, <laughs> nice work, man. That was a great read. And yeah, that was... Good find, good good analysis, and just a really interesting story. And like Justin said, not not the not the best thing to hear, but hey, it's good to be highlighting these things so that the Dapper team can can take the appropriate steps. And it sounds like they they already are. And I, I saw a response from Alan saying that if you look at those accounts, they haven't made transactions in a while, so uh, they're gonna find you, right? This the same way that those people out there that tried to trick us on the giveaways, producer Coop <laughs> hounded you down. If there are multi-accounters out there, the Dapper team will find you and uh, get you down there. Max, any any thoughts on that and uh, the the thread that or the article that Taylor wrote earlier? Yeah. So first of all, I think it was a really really good article and it was really well written. So nice work on that, Taylor. I think it started a lot of discussion. Um, kind of to your point, Justin. I think that the thing about this is that. The reason why it's kind of undercovered and under talked about is that there's no way for us to really understand the scope of the problem or how much it's affecting undercutting, right? Because theory, okay, so we know that there are people who are undercutting the market. And what we mean by that is when, you know, right after a challenge, right, the price of a certain moment that was involved in the challenge will drop from $120 to $70, right? And you say, okay, $120 to $70. But all of a sudden, You'll be in the marketplace and somebody will list that moment where the current lowest ask is 70 for like $48, right? And you're just sitting there. You're like, why did you do this? Like, why did you just list it for $22 less than the lowest ask was? And then all of a sudden you see one pop up for 47, right? And you see one pop up for 46 and maybe those get scooped up. But then somebody says, oh, the lowest ask is 48. I'll, I'll list mine at 54, right? And then all of a sudden you were at, 70, but because a few people started going so low, then everybody else kind of, you know, uses that number as a basis for their listing. And the price just keeps dropping more and more and more until the bottom completely falls out. Right. But the reality is all we see in the live feed is the price going down. Right. We don't know how much the undercutting is affecting the market. Right. We don't know if that's really causing the drop or maybe they're just the first ones. They're beating people to the punch. Right. Or maybe sometimes they're just listing what it will eventually be at. Right. But we've seen some really interesting drops. Right. Like we've seen some like really, really precipitous drops. And especially I think this um, is like manifesting itself even worse or more obviously, I should say, in the reward moments. Right. Like when when the LeBron gets deposited in people's accounts from seeing stars too, people like plunge father was tweeting about this the other day, like people were buying all the way up, but there's people still kept listing them lower. Right. It's like people are buying them at 1100. Why are you listing it at, you know, 1020. Somebody's going to buy it. If you listen, if you listed it at 1100. So on the reward moments, it's been really damaging and it makes it really hard to justify the challenge because you know, you can just pick up the pieces later when somebody undercuts. Right. It, it's not just that it like, 
hurts the challenge or it's bad for the activity. It's like people are listing below what the actual value is, which makes it easier to get the challenge retroactively, which makes it, which just defeats the purpose. And if it is these bots that's doing that activity, right? That means that the, the, the price and the EV is being artificially suppressed. That's the real issue. But we don't know the extent of the problem, right? And the reason why I like Taylor's article so much, right, is because it's that first big domino, right? A hundred people retweeting, one of the biggest influencers in the Top Shot community saying, I found a major, major case of this, right? And then we're all sitting here saying, oh my God, like I've seen this in the marketplace. Like I've seen people sniping. I've seen people listing it low. But this is the first time somebody's put something out that has just... It like a, it was like a meteor hitting the earth. Like I read it and I was just I, like, I got to the end of the article and I was just like, wow. Like, cause like to your point, right. It was like hundred, it must've been hundreds of accounts. And then all of them were funneling them into one account. And then that not account, even being sneaky about it. Just stars just, moments have never been on the market. It's like, what is going on here? Like, this is crazy. Uh, so like, we don't know how big the scope is, but this article was like a window inside what the scope might be. And it was like, it was really shocking. Uh, And now people are talking about it, which is good. Yeah, agreed. And I think you bring up an interesting point here. Even if we remove the bots from the conversation, let's remove the bots and let's just say it is an honest market. Now people, you know, people can make whatever decision they want. Not everyone makes a rational analytical decision. Um, But the market right now is being set by the tails and the tails of the sellers. So you may have, let's see, the LeBron, you had um, 4,567 of them, I think. So maybe just under 5,000. Uh, all you need is 1% who say, hey, I need money for paying my rent this week and I need to get out. Or like, you know, I'm not halfway top shot anymore. So if you get 1%, that's 50. So now we've got 50 people who are selling and their goal is just to get out. So they're okay with taking, you know, if it's what we were seeing around like 1,000, 1,100, they're okay, you know. I'm okay if I don't get that extra $50, $100, I'm just going to sell it. And you get enough of those. And as you said, that now bottom is set. Now, let's consider the inverse. What if we had a bidder's market? What if we had that rather than people selling at lowest ass, we had the ability for buyers that wanted to get in to set the price? Again, it's going to be a tails market. But now it's a tails market by the ones who are willing to pay the most. Because now we will see the highest bids are the ones that are going to get sales. Then we see in the market, okay, how much do these sell for? Well, now we know that people are willing to pay $1,400, $1,500 for this. So the people with the lowest ass sales are now going to adjust to the buyer's tails, which becomes far more of a seller's market. And that, I think, is an something that's not existing today, probably just because of our product tech difficulty. Uh, We know that there's been a lot of talk about it. We see it in the crypto punk space, and we know that it's possible. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, we keep going back to like, why I'm bullish on this is there are so many compound variables right now that are leading to a just shitty market. The bots, the low ask, the people who are just trying to get out because they got in early on and just want to flip. Like Once these features kind of e- evolve, once our market kind of gets these benefits and kind of gets rid of these negative, um, these negative factors, it's just smooth sailing from there. And so, I mean, like bidder's market is just one small thing, but like, the market would be profoundly different if that's included. 
I, I think that there's a whole conversation to be had about the bidders market. And I think that there's a lot of value to potentially be had there. But I do want to make one delineation, right? You talk about the person who says, oh, I've got to pay my rent this month. I've got to make a withdrawal. I'm fine foregoing the extra $50. So I'm going to list mine below lowest ask so I can uh, withdraw, right? See that I'm totally fine with, right? And and I think everybody on Top Shot just has to live with that. Like that's the market, right? If somebody wants to sell it and they want to sell it quick and liquidate it immediately, that's their choice. But I think that where some collectors are making a valid point is around the artificial manipulation, right? If somebody, or even if it's like intentional to the point where, and I haven't seen a lot of people talking about this, but like if you tank the price, like if you artificially list something at like 40 to get people to start selling at 40, and then you start scooping them up all on the way up, or basically you are, you know, like you're trying to do something nefarious or like you have hundreds of seeing stars moments. You're just listing them all at 10% or $10 below min ask just to like dump them all at once. Right. See, there's just like a fundamental distinction between those two. One is just a free market where a seller decides to make a sale. One is being artificially manipulated. We definitely have to be fine with the first one because that's just how things work. But the second one is where people are starting to make legitimate claims about, um, you know, being undercut and losing value. So I think that there's just like a, a distinction that's like really important there. hundred oh, percent um, agree. And, and I think my only differentiation is I have no problem with the person who needs to sell that $50 less ticket out. Right. The issue is when the structure of the market is set up that that then sets the price right. because there's no, because all we're seeing when it's a low ask market is, Hey, this is what it's sold for. So this is what it's worth. If you have that bitter opportunity, the, the bitter side, we also will see, well, then here's the, the cap. Here's that upside. Here's that floor, just like more of a stock market style. We're seeing both sides. And yes, free market should obviously reign supreme. Each person should be able to do what they want as long as there's not nefarious actors. But now we can actually see, you know, we can see those tiers. And now we get a better idea of where this price actually should land. Yeah, I haven't thought through all the implications of like a bid system, really. Um, I haven't really read a lot of people talking about it. I've like definitely seen it on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, and I don't know what kind of problems that presents from a technical perspective, but it certainly sounds like it could fix some of the issues uh, that yeah. we're seeing in the marketplace right now. So I wonder what the internal discussions are even like uh, yeah. at Dapper Labs around that. From what I know, they are considering it. I don't know if they've talked about it from an economic standpoint of the impact it could have. I would love, love if they had some form of a kind of game simulation team or somewhere just in this to say like, hey, let's run a mock simulation like a war game, get people in, let's get this new kind of method of, okay, let's do bids. Let's see what happens. Maybe we, uh, you know, let's say we're going to unload a new set around XYZ. I know they have their head economist who's that kind of uh, forecasting what happens, but if you could actually run some of these war style games, I think that'd be the most impactful way for them to kind of simulate what could happen to the market. Are you talking How about would it work though? You'd have to bid on individual serial numbers of a moment. Like I, I just, I think that it becomes a, so a two much, things. The, the adoption curve is a lot higher than right like it's easier for someone new to come on and just see what's listed and go ahead and buy it's a lot more challenging to have to come on and be like okay i need to come up with the number that i want to bid on a specific serial moment and then i could see new users getting a little bit overwhelmed by that and it's like a ui issue also right yeah or you're just bidding on any of them you're just saying hey i want the cheapest ask but what happens is you get a bit of a a blind system here 
And so you can see like what the recent sales are. And so you're saying, I either want like the lowest, I, I want the cheapest one and I'm willing to pay a hundred dollars. And did I get one? No. But here's the thing. Like if someone behind the scenes was listing it for 89 and that was the lowest and I put a hundred, I get it for 89 because that's what they were willing to go. Um, and if no one, you know, let's say no one had it listed for 105, my hundred doesn't get accepted. So there, there's some form here and I'm obviously haven't fully yeah. thought this out. Um, but there's got, there's got to be some improved method because agreed crypto punks method of you actually send someone an offer is a bit too complex. Uh, that works because each person only owns really for the most part, one crypto punk right. here. I own a thousand moments. Like, there's something. There's something. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting to see what they they experiment with, and I'm, I'm sure it's a conversation that if they're not having it already, they will have in the future. As they, I know they have a ton on their plate, so maybe maybe this is not quite a priority yet, but I'm sure it's it's somewhere on the roadmap to be discussed. We'll bring it up in the collectors council, Roham. There we go. <laughs> Love it. Shout out to Roham. All righty. Shall we get into this thread a bit? From our friend. first off, I guess any anything to close off that first topic, um, just in terms of, of buying, selling, holding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I do just want to so at a high level, we do think like these are the three main options here. So obviously, if you are not bullish in Top Shot right now, if you do not feel like now is the right opportunity, you know, whatever it is, things have changed in your mind and you just don't think this is the right product long term, you have the opportunity to get out. I think the other, as we kind of discussed here, is a hold and wait mentality. Um, and I think for the most part, that's where a lot of people who have been in this are currently because they see this as the reason why I got into Top Shot has not significantly changed. Uh, my hypotheses, the reasons that I feel that these are going to be, you know, Top Shot's going to be successful have not changed. And I've already put a significant amount of money into this. So I'm willing to just kind of hold and see how it goes. Uh, there is that third option of accumulate. And uh, this is probably where I personally am shifting into. Um, I'm right now doing it, as we said before, like I'm heavily focused on specific ones. I've been specifically looking at jersey numbers and trying to find values there for players' first moments. I think there's some strategy aspect there. Uh, but like, I don't want to just pass up. Like, Our prices right now are really not much different than where we were in January. And in January, we all got extremely excited and believed like, hey, this is a great value. I want to get in. So I think we each individually need to ask ourselves, what has changed? What has changed between now and then? And the easy answer is I invested a lot of money in January and I just don't have the capital that I can put towards this right now. And that's a perfectly legitimate answer. But if you're more so like, hey, I'm just waiting for X, Y, Z to happen before I put in more money. I think now is the time, at least where I'm asking myself is like, okay, what has changed that I'm not willing to do it now? Because long story short, the prices right now are similar to what they are then. There have only been in my mind reasons that make me more bullish on this the success that we saw in such a short period of time the funding round of the 300 some million dollars um that dapper labs has got uh the amount of mba engagement the team engagement the larger nft market like there's only things that have made me more bullish on this and so i keep asking myself like why am i not putting my money in now and i think the only thing is is because i keep telling myself i can wait until it starts going up and then i'll jump in because there's still that, you know, everything looks like it's going down. It's all pointing downward. And uh, the challenge, like from a market standpoint, timing, it is extremely difficult. So I'm conscious of that. 
I'm trying to drink my own medicine, take my, you know, take my own medicine, drink my own champagne and such. And so I do think like I'm very close to that accumulation period. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Let's hear it in the chat. Everyone let us know. You guys, you guys buying, selling, holding and why uh, I would love to, to hear from some people in the chat, or if you're watching this after the fact, leave a, leave a comment about what your, your personal strategy is. I think it'd be interesting to see just what, what different people are doing. I'm already seeing some people in the chat talking about that they've been buying the dip or that they're holding around. So I uh, would love to, to see and hear from those folks. I want to go into Max's thread. Let's do it. Let's do it. I have it up on one of my 1 million tabs here. All right. Here we go. I got the Oh, you got the thread, the, 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 the thread reader so that we can see it all in one spot. So for those that have not seen the thread, you'll get to see it for the first time, but you can also go ahead, follow Max on Twitter and, and view it for yourself. But uh, Max, I think I, I might kind of turn it over to you here rather than me try to summarize your thread for you. If you just want to talk through the, the high level themes and we can scroll through some of the, the parts that maybe you want to focus on the most, but thought you made a lot of good points and brought in a lot of the hot topics and kind of summarized it into to why you think that over the next couple of months, we'll start to see some positive momentum. Yeah, for sure. So I've been working on this thread for a couple of days. Um, I think I had all most of the research done by Sunday, but it's just a matter of like, you know, finding the time to write it. Um, and I think that, you know, the main reason why um, I wanted to make this thread was just because, you know, I've seen a lot of analysis of the market and, you know, it's going up, it's going down. Mostly lately, it's been going down and what that means for buying or selling. And I wanted to go back, like kind of back to the fundamentals, because I think one of the things that people kind of did like dissociate is like the Dapper Labs Top Shot connection. They just think of like Top Shot as like this thing, right? Like Top Shot, oh, Top Shot is Top Shot. It's just like this, um, you know, omnipotent force, right? That has, that's just kind of like there and is in a permanent stasis, right? But like, that's that's just not the case, right? It's run by Dapper Labs and Dapper Labs is like a startup, you know, or at least they were. So it's, like t- the growth and success of Top Shot is really based on like Dapper Labs' ability to grow and market the product and, you know, develop new features and stuff like that. So I wanted to just dive into some of the high level, like big picture things to think about now that like Dapper Labs has raised this new round of funding and kind of contextualizing, like kind of taking like, oh, okay, we've seen a lot of like tit for tat in the marketplace, but like what? What does the big picture actually look like? So that's that's kind of what I was trying to summarize in this in this thread and like take a step back and look at that. Yeah, I think that that all makes a ton of sense. Like the, the and, and a lot of it is kind of similar to something that that Justin and I have talked about around, you know, the at the end of the day, the top shot market is determined by the money that is getting deposited needs to be greater than the money that is being withdrawn slash going to Dapper for some of the fees. And right, right now, and something that you touch on in this thread is that we, we do not have that new money coming in because we do not have any new user signups right now. And that's kind of one of the one of the points that is is currently holding things back. But eventually, that 
kind of floodgate will be opened and I'm sure we'll see a ton of new users come in, which will then increase the demand. And hopefully we, we start to see things move positively from there. Yeah, completely. Let's, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the flywheel. Cause I think that that concept is really important. And I think it's important to understand like both the concept and then how it broke down and why we're seeing the current spiral. Um, so I'll just kind of talk a little bit about like how I was thinking about this concept. And this is like, you know, really basic analysis, but I think it's really important. So the, the growth flywheel is, is, you know, it's just like a way to frame like the health of the platform and how it's going to grow. So you have new signups and you have like a bunch of people that get on the platform, right? And when that happens, there's increased transaction volume because new people come on, they start buying, they, you know, probably start by like just getting a few moments of players they like or flipping some, a pack or something like that. But then eventually some of like some percentage of them will convert into collectors. Some percentage of them will fall off. Um, but you know, that overall onboarding experience is good for the platform. And then as a result, the prices of the moments, either the moments themselves or just like the market cap in general increase. And there's like a discussion of obviously about supply there. Um, but the overall value of the market increases, let's just say when there's more people buying and there's more transactions happening. And then what happens is people get on social media and they start talking about it, right? They, they get on Twitter, they get on social media, or even like talking to their friends, right? Like somebody commented on the thread and was like, yeah, I heard about Top Shot um, playing pickup basketball and somebody was talking about it, right? The more users you onboard onto the platform, the more it's going to grow just via whether it be word or mouth or social media or whatever, right? And then that in turn leads to new signups. But what happened in February is that it grew way too fast, right? And right around, and right around the first loop around, it like blew a fuse, right? It, and then I have like a little graph, like down a little bit of like what happens when the flywheel breaks, right? The real problem that I see, like looking back in the last month is that, yeah, that's, that's it right there is what happens is when there's a ton of social media hype and people are tweeting about it, people are talking about it, new users are getting onboarded, right? What happens is people assume that there's going to be a lot of new money flooding into the market. And why would you not assume that if, like tons and tons of people are getting on and tons and tons of people are starting to buy. Right. But then when they shut down the signup process, that a lot of that new money is priced in, but it never actually enters the market. So when it's priced into the market, but it never enters the market, then it starts to fall and it starts to fall really, really fast. And then the liquidity starts to dry up and it just, creates this spiral of fear where it's like, oh my God, now things are tanking. This is, and then everybody starts saying, oh, it's a bubble. It's a bubble. Right. And then that even encourages more selling off. And that's what happens when you don't have the sign of capacity. The thing to remember about Dapper and all of this, right. Is that Dapper's last round of funding was like $10 million, which in terms of like a platform like this is absolutely nothing like $10 million in if, for a platform like this is, is literally pennies. So when people, you know, say like, you know, oh, like Dapper Labs, they can't be trusted. They blew it or something like that. You know, people are always in the in the replies and stuff like that, like saying, oh, like, I can't believe they let this happen or whatever. Right. The fact that they were even able to get as far as they got is insane. They like this never should have been able to be built on $10 million in the first place. And I, I think they raised a couple Series A rounds. So like, you know, it's not just $10 million, but for the sake of argument, like, it's like a series A slash series B company trying to manage a platform with hundreds of thousands of users. And it's all based on organic growth, right? So when the funnel broke, the prices collapsed, right? But what I'm assuming they're doing right now, and I hope they're doing right now, and I think they are doing right now, is building up capacity so that in the future, the flywheel can work as intended, right? So it doesn't break down. 
Um, and I think that they're, they're building that up uh, right now. And, and once it starts working more efficiently, we're going to be able to see the impact of that, of that explosive growth. But the problem is the platform, as we've seen, can double at any time. So they need to build way more capacity than they even have, right? They need, oh, uh, we have 100,000 users. Well, we need to be able to handle 300,000 users, even though we don't have them. With $10 million, it's impossible to build for that, right? Because you, you can barely build for what you have. With 300 million, you can probably build for that. So I think that we'll, it's less likely that it'll break down like that in the future. Um, but things just got way out of control way too quickly. And so I'm not surprised at all by... You know, I am surprised by the extent to which the prices have crashed for sure, but I'm not surprised that like they had to close down signups, for example, right? Like, like obviously that was going to happen with how much growth they were experiencing. So that's kind of a view of like, in, in my opinion, like what the flywheel is and how like that growth reinforces itself, right? And creates a cycle and then how it can fall off and become a disaster. And I think we saw it fall off and now it's kind of the balls in Dapper's court. Now they have the money to get it back on track and fix it. Um, and we'll, we'll see if they can execute. Yeah. And I, I think this flywheel, I mean, I think the signups is obviously such a huge, uh, you know, kind of lever here. Uh, I think there was one other play as well that kind of led to this, that falls into this death spiral. Um, these are, this is a human team. They, you know, these are decisions made by humans. If anyone's worked at a company, like you understand the difficulty of communication and everything and just different objectives, different goals. What I believe happened is, you have the product team that was building a product that needed to be successful today, but also with that forward looking. And then you have the security, the compliance, the, you know, whoever's managing all the new users and stuff, and really from a tech side as well. And they're hearing that, hey, we can't grow. So when they put out all those new packs, when they decided we're going to move the, um, the circulation count for rares. So now rares are up in the thousands and such. And we put out two of the, the rising stars, the seeing stars. We put out these slash 10,000s. Uh, those were the amount of moments that needed to be put out for if we continue to grow at the scale and pace that we were going. So then when they put that kind of pause in the new signups, but the product team continued to put out this large, large amount of these rare moments when in reality weren't that rare, not to mention there was the artificial inflation of user count by these bots and then everything that happened there. Um, but I think like that was one of the challenges as well that they definitely, I believe, have learned from. And we've seen the kind of slowing down of all these challenges and the uh, you know, packs, the sets have been released. Um, but I think that's one of the growing pains that they experienced is it makes sense why they were trying to put out all these new moments because, you know, Hey, in the future, we want series two to have rares that everybody, all these millions of users that we have are going to be able to own some of. Uh, but then the other side is saying, Oh, but we're not going to have that many users now. And we're actually not going to have any new users. So that kind of just overall uh, devalued uh, the idea of a rare for series two. Yeah. yeah I, think I can really did. see that. Sorry, I just oh. think you can really see that during the, the All-Star weekend when we had all of those pack drops and all of those new sets dropping and the massive, massive in increase in supply. And then shortly after that, no more user signups. That was kind of like the, 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 the current death sentence for the bull market, at least. And yeah, I, I think it'll get, get itself worked out in the future, but definitely agree with both of the points you guys made there. Go ahead, Max. Yeah, no, I think that you know, when you look at the big picture, um, I think that overall, like things are still pretty good. 
like and you look at the underlying metrics like like how much time people are spending on the site, how many unique buyers we have, how many um, like people are getting withdrawals on a weekly basis. Like things are still trending upwards. We just saw like a lot of new onboarding at once and it kind of crashed the system. Um, But like, if you think about it in a different way, like that, isn't that kind of a good sign? Like it was literally so, there was literally so many people that wanted to buy based on organic traffic, like people were just bursting down the doors trying to buy. Right. And everyone's like, oh, it's a failure because <laughs> they they couldn't handle all the people that wanted to give them money. Right. And, it's and, like, and you just hope that that was legitimate. You hope that it was people who were actually interested in the platform and were signing up and not the someone with 300 accounts that are trying to kind of get through. Um, and then also there was obviously uh, some incentive from people who are, they, you know, when your media hype is based off X amount of person is making this much money or so forth. And like, right. that's what we're really driving. Like that, you know, yes, it brings attention, but it probably doesn't bring the best from a short term stance. For sure. Um, and I think that there's, there's a certain amount of people that were just in it to make a quick buck. Um, and that's kind of just inevitable, I think. But I think what you're seeing is like, there's a pretty strong community forming around Top Shot right now. Like there's a lot of people on Twitter. Like I literally, you know, people are commenting, DMing like, oh, what should I buy? What should I buy? Oh, like I got to get in now before the market goes back up or whatever, you know, like, and it's not that like they're trying to just like make a quick buck. It's like people are just really passionate. Mm -hmm. And I think that like you made a really good point earlier about the commons and the rares and trying to like make enough moments to like get into people's hands. I think that like dovetailing with the issue of like user growth coming too quickly, there's like this like concurrent problem of like, the supply of markets in the or of moments in the marketplace. And I think that like, this is a really divisive issue, right. Of like, how, like, should people be able to own commons and like, or should everybody be able to own commons or like, what should the minimum price be for a moment? And I think that this is like really, really important. And I think that it, it, like hindsight is 2020 and in hindsight, top shot, like I think made like a pretty big mistake waiting as long as they did to release like enough commons and like the 35 kccs like basically and uh, but they didn't know they were going to grow this fast at, at that time right so like how are they supposed to know but like in hindsight they probably should have dumped a ton of like really 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 low quality moments into the market in like you know november december january and just kind of flooded out the the commons, like the super, super common ones, right? Not like 12 KLE or whatever, but like, you know, just like the bottom of the barrel, like Austin Rivers 35K plus or Jay Crowder, like I have a couple of those or whatever. Like they should have just put like a hundred thousand of those into circulation. And, and maybe this is totally wrong. So maybe somebody can correct me here. But like, I just feel like if they had flooded the market with a ton of excess capacity for moments sooner, it's unlikely that like common moments in the first place would have been up to bid up to like $60, like we saw in February. But now the problem is if they're about to turn on the marketing faucet again, they face the same problem they did then, right? They face the same problem because they have a chance right now to basically flood the market with commons that would be like oversupplied, right? Like we were talking about how they need to build for two X, three X capacity now in terms of dev cycles, right? In terms of like, engineering capacity and like the ability to take on new users, but they can't just onboard three X their user base with the same amount of supply 
or we're going to see the exact same cycle of like, you know, straight up and then straight down that we saw two months ago. Right. So they, but then if they flood the market with supply now, it's just going to piss off all the current users because all of their common moments are going to decline precipitously. Right. So there is this really, really tough conversation that comes with like, when do you introduce more supply and how much? Because if they turn on the marketing faucet and they onboard a ton of new users with the current supply of moments, like it's just going to happen all over again. Yeah. And that, that's one of the things that, that we've talked about as well is as, as many of these common moments that can get into the system, like there needs to be that, that very cheap entry point for any of the new users that are coming on where, okay, I'm going to try to get a pack, but I don't get a pack, but I can go to the marketplace and I can buy moments for $2, $3 and at least still get my feet wet in that way. I mean, there was a time where you couldn't get anything less than 20, 25, 30 bucks, even for the cheapest moments on the site. So yeah, that's something that, that I know Justin, you, you've talked about as well, being able to, to just continue to generate that, that bottom end supply. And the other thing is that the, the, continuing to add the the very, very bottom is not going to have any impact on the the top end markets in terms of like, you know, increasing that supply. Yeah, it'll, it'll, help. it'll help just make the the moments that people already have to be more valuable because they look more scarce relative to the problem the is ones. it's just kind of like, how do you even release that in a pack drop, right? Oh, I like, think that's like, exactly hey, what you do. Okay, we're going to put 500,000 moments of really crappy 35K like, uh, like, you know, we're just going to print a hundred thousand of these and we're just going to put them into the market. What do you do? Do pack drops for a dollar that are like three of the worst moments in top shot. Like that, that doesn't get anybody excited. You know, like, how do you even release that? No, but that's exactly what you do. That's exactly what you do. They may so have, you have, I don't so know. You have the $9 do. packs. You have the $9 packs. Now they'll become readily available. The reason why people are buying them is because you still have a lottery aspect of there's a lamello in there. And my chance of getting that lamella might be 1%, but maybe a chance of getting a different rookie is 5%. But we're not going to get to a place where, I mean, hey, I'm a huge proponent of put these uh, common moments to 100K. And yes, someone in the chat mentioned, I think it was uh, Sasha's dad, like, yeah, you're right. 100K common moment would probably go worth a quarter, which means you may not even be able to sell it. Maybe you can get a dollar or something if you get a lucky. But there's nothing wrong with that because Roham is a huge proponent of I believe that if people go through the experience of what it's like to open a pack, engage, search the marketplace, they're going to become long-term users. Do that through these packs because, hey, I get the fun experience. I get that kind of uh, jolt. Maybe there's a good chance of me getting something. And if I end up with three crappy ones, then so be it. I paid $9 for the entertainment value, but that now allows for a, there's significant differentiation between what is the common, the standard, that just kind of -of run-of-the-mill moment and the rares are that much more valuable. Right. The ones from early on are that much more valuable. It creates a real collector's ecosystem where, yeah, if I want it for fun, I can play the hardcore game. I can get these cheap ones. I can always just call up my friend and say, hey, let's, uh, let's go buy some packs and have some fun and see what we get. But you still, though, allow for that ecosystem to grow rather than just, hey, let's just put a whole bunch in these middle price that no one knows what it really is. And maybe they're kind of oversaturating and so forth. The, the problem is, when you talk about like flooding the market with commons or like in general, when you talk about increasing the supply of moments in the marketplace, it is an impossible math problem to solve for because you have un- too many unknown variables on both sides. If they knew that their user base was going to grow exactly 4x in the next three months, they could probably forecast how much supply they would need to keep the prices at a reasonable point while still helping out collectors. 
If they knew that it was going to go 10x, they could probably do that. But when you don't know how much supply you should put out and you don't know how many new people you're going to be onboarding, how and are you so, supposed to match them up? And pre-order packs exactly how they did it. Yeah. Or do like a reasonable estimate and then hope for the best. But that's the issue is, you know, if they knew they were going to grow linearly, they could plan for this much more effectively. But I, and that's why I like, here's the thing, like when it comes to like people ask me like for buying recommendation stuff, I'm like, guys, it is a beta. Like, I'm not going to say like, Oh, go buy this. You'll make hundred percent returns. Like that's just not the way it works. Right. Like they, they have to decide how much supply to dump in, how many new users to let on. Like they're, they're controlling kind of both sides of the equation here. Cause they could shut off the signups at any time. They could shut off the supply or ramp it up at, at, at like any time. Like, it's not like just this stable marketplace where you can assume like a reasonable level of appreciation, right? Like it's a beta. Like we don't know how many new users there's going to be there. We don't know how much supply is going to be put into the marketplace in accordance with that new user growth. And like how much the lag might be if there's significant user growth, like there's there's just really no way to know. And it makes it really, really difficult to like for them to forecast. And that's why I kind of like feel bad for them almost because you've got all these people like roasting them on Twitter. And it's just like, like, how, like this is an impossible thing to solve for. Like you just got to do the best you can and hope for the best. But like, I would say like, you know, all things considered, it's been pretty good so far. So I expect that they'll respond reasonably in the future and be able to create like somewhat reasonable forecasts. But like, it is like you just yeah it's impossible and i think you bring up a good point because i think this is probably what their inspiration behind doing these pre-order packs were because if you actually dive into what are in these pre-order packs they say okay for the rookies there's only going to be this many for the first moments of a player there's only going to be this many for the um i guess maybe the newer ones the you know first moment of that one the new moments is only going to be that many but then there could be 35 40 50k of all these others and so that's kind of how they're taking a, let's call it a Band-Aid solution to say, we want to, you know, if we want to control for one variable, the variable we're going to control for is we're not going to mint until we know what the demand is. And so when they see they made 325,000 of those last pre-order packs, now behind the scenes, they're saying, okay, we know that we're only going to release, as we said from the beginning, these more, um, I don't want to say rare because that's not the correct term, but just, you know, the more valuable ones. Um, and now we'll see how many of the others. And like when we did an expected value, it still came out to the range was 55 to $60 or whatever. So like there's still significant value here just because those rookies and such are driving up the price. Um, but also we're not having hundred thousands yet. When we get to the hundred thousands, now we get to a place where like, Hey, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And that's just the way it is. If you wait we until the demand is there though, that means that the current supply has already been overbought. So you've already, you, you, the prices are already too high. You know what I mean? You okay, kind of okay. have to get ahead of it to a certain extent. Because if you're like, okay, we're going to wait until we've got 100,000 people clamoring for this. That means that they've probably been in the marketplace buying up everything in sight. And then when you do release that supply, then the price of everything else is going to go down accordingly. So and, your hidden variable is the future. How, how are we going to project that future marketplace? And you, you can't. And you can't in a product that's so viral that grows so quickly. You can't. It's just not possible. Um, I really like the point you made about um, like releasing sporadic like packs and like, you know, oh, there's going to be like a thousand lamellos in this pack or whatever. Um, and I think there's like a really good argument on both sides to be had there. I think that like I did a thread about this for the Conley challenge um, where they had only released like a third of the moments for each of the moment, um, which created kind of a supply shortage for the Conley challenge. 
I am split. And I, I feel like I really want to like learn from somebody else. Maybe you guys could comment on this, but I really don't like it. Um, when they only release, like, let's say there's going to be 4,000 of them momented. The, qu the, the quickly situation thousand. right now. Yeah. The, the problem is if the cluster, if the whole market, it seems like there's a big market education gap. The market doesn't seem to understand that there's a current shortage of those moments. So they always trade for like triple the price for the first couple of weeks. And then when the rest of the supply gets released, cuts in half. When the rest of the supply gets released, it cuts in half again. And then every single person who bought one, it, like when it first came out, gets destroyed automatically. And I feel like a lot of those people are probably new to Top Shot. They probably don't know that that like the, all the supply hasn't been released yet. So I feel like it's not very, it's very like, it's not very beginner friendly to only release a third of the supply at one time. I, I don't know. Like I want to hear some opinions on this. Like I want to know what you guys think, but I would almost prefer that if they're going to release 4,000 Lamellos, they should just release them all at once so that the market can just go and decide what the price is right away. Because what we've seen is like Peyton Pritchard, there'll be a thousand Peyton Pritchards that come out out of the 4,000 and they'll sell for like $500. And then when the next round hits, all of a sudden it's like 250. And then it rises back up to 300 and then more come out. And then it, oh, now it's 180. And everybody who bought one gets burned. And I don't know. It, 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 I don't like it. Um, you, you can't own a slash 35K right now, except for a rare example. Um, I mean, like I know people like were in Anthony Edwards early on and they're like, oh, there's 35K, so they're going to go down. And then he became the you know rookie of the year favorite, blah, blah, blah. For almost any other case, though, like you just can't own these slash 35Ks. And then I know like the manual quickly was another example where like I'm big on him and wanted to uh, wanted to buy a bunch of his. Moments. Yeah, I wanted to buy one, too. I wanted to buy one too. Not, like, right, if you look yeah. at that, I was sitting there on like March 20th and I was like, oh man, I want this moment so bad. And I was just like, I, I can't buy this because yeah. there's going to be more supply released and it's going to tank. So you know what I mean? And then for me as a collector, I'm sitting there and I want this moment and it's in the market. There's some of them in the marketplace and I'm literally sitting there saying, if I buy this, it is guaranteed that I'm going to get burned. It's just not worth it. Right. And you so maybe, maybe you pay up for a, a cereal, a good cereal, because you found a good value. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe if, if even those, the ratio is going to. I like. The, I don't. Uh, another thing we'll bring up with Rohan and the collectors' council, because I, I agree with you. Like this is something that ninety percent of, eighty eh, percent of collectors aren't familiar with, and I agree with you. It's the, it's the ones who aren't educated that are getting screwed in the challenges that are getting screwed with these slash thirty five Ks, and like we as you know content creators, you know putting in OTM NFT like the site and stuff. Like we're trying to help educate. And it's important, but not everyone's on Twitter. Not everyone is following this as much as we right. are. Not everyone's in our bubble. That's the issue. I, and I, so whenever I'm thinking about buying a moment, I got my eye on something from series two. I always go to like evaluate.market and I'll look up the moment and they have right there on the site. Um, what percent of the moments have been minted and what percent of the moments have been distributed. Right. Or like which ones are not in the pack. So we've actually got that here as well. So we, we added this recently where you can on the moments page here can we look at one sort by the percent that are in circulation. Yeah, we can check on, on any of them yeah, that you want to Xavier Tillman actually. So recommendation zoom in for people because I just did that, made it full screen uh, and I can see a lot better. Not you. You're fine, TJ. Everyone else is oh, oh, okay. Oh, everyone zoom in. Yeah. <laughs> because that's Xavier Tillman. I actually had my eye on that one for a little while because I want it. Um, cause I think Xavier Tillman is like a little bit underrated. Um, so based on your guys' numbers there, it looks like 
17% is in circulation, and then 5% is currently in packs. And yeah, then it's like held back and then 77%. Have yet to come. Yeah. Like, you just can't, like, it doesn't matter how bullish you are on that player. It doesn't matter because a far more, in, you know, a far more greater factor is going to be when new moments hit, more supply, get a drop. Right. You go on, you go on the Top Shot website and you think that there's 4,000 of these available, but there's actually only 694 that are currently available to be bought or sold and yeah, owned is, by an actual really person. And, and the thing is, I think the rubber really hits the road when you put this type of a moment into a challenge. That, to me, that's just a problem. So is that the Conley one that you that you were talking about? Yeah, because the prices for those commons were like sixty dollars, and I so was Will, like, these yeah. are worthless. Yeah, like these, Will Barton. Will Barton's the example that I remember. Um, yeah, Will Barton for the Cool Cat too. Yeah. Um, his yeah. price was the same as the other Cool Cats because his moments had not been distributed until near the end of that challenge, so his price was ludicrous and. Maybe yeah, there's a reason why they do this that I'm not thinking of. And like, I haven't thought about it from all the angles. So I'm definitely open to hearing arguments about this issue, but I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it. And it really can, that this is like a really, cause it's almost like a guaranteed 50% loss sometimes. Yeah. And like that can really burn a new collector, especially. So like, this is, this is an issue I've really been thinking about. Um, and it, I don't know, like, I basically, I keep waiting for the counter argument. Like I really want to hear the counter argument because I think there might be a reason why. Well, there's um, a good counter argument. There is. If you miss out on one pack, does that mean you don't get LaMelo? Because right, like, right. not everyone gets a pack. And like, so let's say you yeah. were in the queue and you missed out. Like now your only chance of getting a LaMelo is paying $3,000, $2,000 in the marketplace. Like that sucks. Right. But how do we weigh these? Yeah. No, they, you what do we you know think? Dapper Labs is dealing with difficult problems. Like these they, are tough they, questions. They really are. Like, what do you think about it? Like, what? How do you weigh those two issues? I, I'm I'm a huge proponent of. I hate that the newer entrants, the ones who are less educated, are the ones that are getting screwed in this market. Like, that's not how it should be, and that's not user friendly. And so, our mm -hmm. you know, one of our north stars for building these tools are like. How can we make the things that are most important for people to be able to find easily and see? And that's why, like, that's why that's down in green to show up because, like, hey, this yeah, isn't. And yeah. maybe, like, we need some form of like notations on this for, like, as well to be like, hey, just a heads up, like, this is only seventeen percent circulation. If you're thinking about buying this moment, just know that there's going to be another thirty three hundred that are still going to come out. Or yeah. you could just you could color code it and put it in red if it's like below fifty percent or something. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, like. TJ, if you go to link to Top Shot here, if we have six ninety four out, usually you only have around ten percent in the marketplace. Now, nothing. <laughs> the market's down. Okay. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, but you're only going to see that means around like I don't know seventy in the marketplace for sale. And if you're talking one hundred twenty four. Oh, there you go. Okay, perfect. Yeah. yeah so we're at three percent of it. Okay. Here's the thing though. That percent though is of your four thousand. Yep. This is. Correct. 124 out of 694 is one over seven. So we're looking at almost like 15% or so um, of, which is actually a pretty high number for in the market. And a lot of that probably is people that's, who own it. No. I think that's more than 15%. What, 15 times seven? One, like 18, 17? Yeah. Let me do some quick math here. That's like a actually a really high number. Yeah, it's 18%. So that would be like, 18% would be like top 5% most listed moment. 
You know I mean, like that, that would be like one of the most highly, like heavily listed on the site. And but as it's you said, it's because people who got it, they pulled it. They want to get out of it because they know they're better off selling it for low ass now, even undercutting than waiting for the next pre-order packs or whatever come out. And now more hit the market. And it definitely sucks if you like want a Lamello and you don't even get the pack that it's in and you just never get a chance. Right. But I agree That's with you that I think this we need to uh we need to update that individual moment page of scenes because but on here we have the percent listed as a function of the amount that are in circulation oh. so it's, it's a math thing because we have it set right now for how many are in you know on the marketplace right. out of total here percent listed is based off what our List, circulation listed over owned yeah which it should be yeah which we'll, we'll change that other one too in good, the near good. future but uh, yeah, so I think this is really useful. This is actually stuff that we just recently added to the site. But I think it's it's helpful in providing that transparency before you ever oh, yeah. go into a moment. You should know, you know, what like any of these, like you really should just honestly not be buying it. Like, can you go it, to Kawhi? Let's let's bring up the example or anyone, but anyone at these slash one thousands because this is another example of the education aspect, and this is kind of a you know a short-term thing, eventually it's going to get solved. But like, how many of these are actually, yeah, um, in circulation versus in the top shot account? Because that's just another example. And thankfully, this one doesn't impact the more common user as much other than if a new market, you know, a new player kind of makes one big purchase or a couple purchases. Um, but this is another one. And I can't own any of those slash 1000 S1s knowing that the prices are all completely inflated for when Top Shot, however they are, distributes the moments. Yep. Yeah. So that that's another that's another one that there has not been a ton of transparency around. So that's, that's another thing that we added just and recently I, I this week is how many people are held by by Top Shot. And like Justin said, it only impacts a lot of these S ones out of a thousand. So that that's good, but it's still you know a complete complete black box of an area. So it's important to make sure that the market is educated on, on these kinds of things. Cause it, it definitely makes an impact. Any final thoughts on, on this? That was a, that was a good chat. Wow. We're already at an hour. This has flown by. I must say, wow. I can't believe it's been an hour. It did not feel like that. I'm full. I've been full screen. So I'm catching up on the chat now. Cause there's some good comments here and some just good, interesting ones. Um, yeah. And uh, same thing as CJ said, like we have been trying to uh, read more of the, you know, we, we understand that not everyone's able to watch the show now. So for the people that are watching afterwards, please put your questions, put your comments in the chat because we have been actually reaching out to people and answering some questions there because uh, there is a lot of good discussion that happens after the event for people that can't make the chat. There's one issue I wanted to touch on from the thread if you guys want to go into it. Yeah. Yep. So I think I'm going to do a thread on this at some point, but there's uh, a debate that kind of playing out in the community of whether or not they top shot has tapped out the core user base. And I think I want to dive like deeper on this subject at some point, but I think that to say that the like market is like saturated or that like, you know, everybody who's kind of going to be a core user of top shot is already on the platform. I think that that is way, 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 way off. Um, and I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, or I could kind of uh, talk a little bit about what I I'm going to go into, but um, I, I don't think that that we've seen like a saturation of the core community yet. No, I think there's two things there. There is 
a tapped out as in financially, like the people who are in it, I still feel like those people are willing and ready to pay more once a couple things happen. One of them is the withdrawals. One of them is when they actually see that there's going to be momentum or at least stagnant. Yeah. Um, and they have more confidence in the product, but like the people who are in it are not even tapped out. And then if we're talking about outside of Top Shot and the new market entrance, holy shit, like they're not even close. Like not even close. I think if you think about this from like the standpoint of like a startup, right? Like a, a t- typical tech startup, right? Like if you went to an investor and you said that we have, you know, 200,000 active users um, and they said, oh, well, that's great. Uh, how many of them are paying? And you said all of them. And then they said, okay, well, um, you know, what's your marketing budget? And you said zero. They would say, well, this sounds like the greatest startup in the history of the earth. Where, where can I write my check? Right. Like if you think about like the dynamics of this platform without any paid marketing, paid acquisition, right. They have hundreds of thousands of buyers just from like word of mouth advertising. The viral coefficient of this business is absolutely enormous. Right. And the types of marketing opportunities that they have access to are unlike any other business on earth. Because they can tap into the NBA and use their marketing network to push their their messaging, right? Like, for example, if they did a commercial during the NBA playoffs for one of the challenges, right? Like, let's say they did a, a round one challenge. Like, oh, you know, Trailblazers versus whoever, right? Damian Lillard hits a game-winning three in game seven. Um, complete our round one NBA playoff set for a chance at the Dame moment. And then it's like a commercial of like great footage of him, like draining the shot. Right. And then they put that in a commercial and show it like during the NBA playoffs. Like that, like that's a no brainer. Now, I don't know if they'll actually be able to make that activation happen because Dapper Labs is going to like, you know, really the NBA is going to have to want to do that in order for that. Like Dapper's not going to just be like, Hey, NBA, like want to like, give us some advertising during your platform. The NBA is, the NBA is getting it. So they may be interested. And if they are doing those types of activations or it's in arena at the NBA games, or they can make deals with teams to have access to the players. Like the opportunities are so big and the players association is already involved. So they're making money off of it. And if they can get to a couple hundred thousand users, users, just like people playing pickup basketball, being like, Hey, have you heard of this thing called top shot? Somebody's like, oh, what's that? And then they explain. They're like, oh, sure. I'll put like $200 in. Like imagine what will happen when they actually start like using NBA players to do marketing, when they actually start running commercials, running ads on Twitter, uh, like building out a social content team to like push this stuff way, way, way harder. Like, like if you can do this with just organic acquisition, like once they start building out a marketing arm, it's just going to go crazy because it's still going to have that viral component, right? If you get a paid user, right? If you pay to acquire a user, they're still going to probably tell their friends about it if they like it. Right. And we've seen that the current users like already love the product. So when you get those paid users, it just branches it out even more. So the fact that they've been able to do this while just kind of like existing means that like the market is, and then, and then, and then there's a whole global market that doesn't even get tough. Right. Most people outside the U S can't even buy. Yeah. We're waiting for Serbia. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, we're the number one podcast in Serbia. That's been our goal from the very beginning. Uh, so we're pretty sure that's Nikola Jocic his entire family just watching us. Uh, but, but you make a really good point. And um, I think it's more than just marketing too. What about utility? And having that NBA connection, like 
you have the ability to go to a game and you see, you know, Jokic hit his 15 assists and you that makes breaks a record or something and you get that moment. Or Dallas Mavs. Uh, we already know Mark Cuban is looking into NFTs for tickets so they can collect royalties. Mark Cuban is also on the head of a blockchain council with other owners. We no question that they are bought into this. They've already connected in the All-Star game. Like they connected with a team that is in beta to release their rising stars during the All-Star game. That shows they are yeah, bought into this. Right? Like this is not just a set aside project. This is not nothing. They also listen to their players more than any other league. And when they see their players, they see what Harrison Barnes is doing. They see that level of momentum and engagement, not to mention Sacramento Kings just said they're going to pay their players in Bitcoin if they want. Like this is a whole market going and we are so early in it, not only from the top yeah. shop, but just the larger ecosystem. I would love to see, to your point, I like have so many different thoughts based on what you just said. I think number one, I would just love to see collections. Like if Jokic, like for example, Lonzo Ball hit, like I think a career high eight three-pointers like two nights ago or three nights yep. ago or something. I would love to see like a, like a collection moment montage a game moment yeah a game oh Owen Lonzo's eight three-pointer game yeah. I feel like that's really low-hanging fruit that's I feel like I can't possibly be the first one with that idea and like I feel like they're probably going to do that just because it's so obvious um but I can't wait and I think that um like on the user front like if they're announcing their rising stars on top shot like that's not the end of the road right like it's like all right we announced the rising stars on top shot now we're done it's like they're going to have in-person events. That's the, the, game the next first year. thing. Yeah, that's what, that's what we've been saying. All-Star game next year, they're going to have in-person events. It's going to have NBA players. It's going to have require either a level of baller status or a level of moments or something to attend. There's going to be some connection. Uh, OTM, we'll have our in-person conference. Like, it, it's legit going to be a big thing, I think. And uh, we're, we're excited for it. 70% of web traffic is on mobile. Top Shot doesn't have a mobile app yet. And they have two in design from what we're hearing. Marketplace and hardcore. Mobile's gonna be crazy. <clears throat> yeah, and it's no like it's gonna happen. Now they have three hundred million dollars. Like that that's gonna launch this year. And many, probably. Uh I mean hardcore, I think hardcore's gonna launch this year. So that'll be the first mobile aspect. I don't know the development of the marketplace one. Right. But um yeah. Um well, and that's tough because then they have to give like, uh, there's like all types of like rules. Like they may have to give a portion of the sales to like the Apple, like, yeah, iOS. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know if they really want to do that, but it certainly would improve ease of use. Um, and oh, yeah. and mark on ramp because if people can search for it in the app store. Exactly. Right. Uh, well, yeah, it, it's a question of how sales happen. Like if you can make the sale there, do you have to give Apple? I know it's pretty tricky there and stuff, but. I think you do. I think you have to pay the Piper. So maybe that'll dissuade them. But, um, and the mobile experience is decent right now, uh, like just on the web browser. But I think that there's like, there's a lot still to come on that front. They're, they're also the large enough that they could negotiate their own contract with Apple. They could negotiate something due to their size and the NBA connection that is different than the normal just hey fees if they're going to be purely a marketplace app. And again, uh, they're going to need Dapper Labs is going to need a big assist from the NBA if they want to make that happen. Um, yep. You know, the yep. Dapper Labs is like a great like company. They're raising a ton of money, but uh, I don't think Apple is going to take that. It's the NBA. <laughs> I don't think Apple's going to take take that. It'd be, call. It'd be if you have the NBA, right? Yeah, they're going to need the NBA to help. Oh, it's crazy. It's exciting. I mean, and we've seen how quickly new features have already been released in the past probably week or two. Um, mm -hmm. You know, 
other than obviously today, significant maintenance. There was 11 minute maintenance yesterday. We hadn't really seen like a site down or maintenance in probably a week or two. Like it's been pretty rare and more we've just seen kind of new features, small new features getting released. Um, and I think that that cycle time for these fast release cycles are just going to continue to quickening decrease. No, and it, it does. So there's a couple things here, I think. One, it takes a month or two to hire and onboard developers. The other thing is, it costs. It, it can cost a lot of money to find good developers. Oh boy, it can cost a lot of money to find good developers, right? So, like, you know, a lot of companies pay like huge referral fees. Like, oh, if you refer us a developer, we'll pay you a ton of money because they're just desperate, right? Now, developers' profiles increased to the point where they can probably attract really good talent. But like, it's been an exponential growth in that category. So, like, you first you have to find them, and you might have to pay a lot of money to find them. Number two, you have to hire them and get them to like put in their two weeks of their current job, whatever. And then you have to onboard them, right? They can't just sit down in their, you know, at their desk the first day and then just start ripping up a new feature, right? You got to onboard them. And they just closed this funding round, like what, a couple of weeks ago, like the wire transfer probably hit, like, I don't even know if it's hit yet, right? It might've hit a week ago, two weeks ago. It might be this week, whatever. Of course they can start hiring before the money hits officially, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like it's just like, oh, we announced a fundraising round. Oh, we actually have a team of 20 people now that are ready to go tomorrow, right? It's like, it takes like a little while, not like a, you know, a year, but like, it's going to take a couple of weeks to get everything. And it's going to come kind of in waves over the next two months. But I think we're starting to see it, right? Like we're starting to see more and more features. And I think that like three months from now, we're going to look back on like March and then like early April. And we're going to be like, wow, like that was, that was like, you know, a whole different version of NBA Top Shot, which is what I don't think people are pricing in totally yet. Is that like in four months, five months, even like, let, like let's say during the NBA finals, <laughs> like this, this platform is going to be like, like the company that's building it is going to be like five times as big, four times as big. And this is why I have, I have no question that I am going to be, and I'm slowly starting to get into that accumulation phase. It is not a question of if, it is a question of when. And I saw Jay Miner mentioned earlier, like his reason for not jo- jumping into it now or aping a bit more in is because the opportunity cost is minimal, meaning if prices start going up significantly, he can then kind of jump in and it's not a big cost. Right. First, like watching things wait, and I, I get that. Uh, but I'm just so bullish on the long term and so bullish on like what yeah. we've seen. And I'm, when we say long term, I'm not talking three, five years. I'm talking like six months a year. Um, yeah, a year I think is like a really great time frame. Although I think there's like a few things. Like one is that I don't know if we've seen the bottom yet, just because like I said, it can take a month. It can take two months to get everybody onboarding and on the same page and working on shipping new features and like building those new processes. Right. And it's only been a couple of weeks. So like, could it go down more like a week from now or like a week and a half from now? I yep. think theoretically it definitely could. I don't know if it will. Um, and then, but that the real thing, there's a uh, couple other issues. One, what are they going to do with the supply, right? Are they going to dump a bunch of new moments in? Cause they could do that at any time. And frankly, they probably should dump at least a decent amount of new moments in, although this new drop will help and um, preparing for us like a demand increase in the long term. But then um, there's also just like the question of like when they're going to start marketing and when they're going to like officially start trying to ramp up the user base. Because like I said, like Dapper Labs is is controlling both sides of the equation here. They're controlling the supply and they have some kind of control over when they start marketing. So because of that, you can't just go out there and say like, oh, like buy anything and it'll appreciate or you know what I mean? Like it. And so like, and the market cap might go up, 
but they might decide it's best for the long term of the platform to increase the supply substantially. So then, then you, if you buy a bunch of commons, like they're going to go down. So it's really hard to say like when the spike might happen and also trying to predict what Dapper Labs is going to do. That's going to interact heavily with like price fluctuations of individual moments. So like, I think a year from now, like I, I usually, so like to just like go into my buying strategy a little bit more, like if I'm really going to buy something, like I'm not going to buy pretty much, and maybe so there's some exceptions like LeBron, but anything that's more than a 4,000 LE, like if it's 10 K LE, like maybe I'll buy it. Seeing stars, I bought like maybe one or two just because they were so cheap, but like, I'm not going to make a big investment in that. Like if I'm going to buy anything, it's going to be 1,000 LE or like, you know, even I, I have my eyes on like 200 LEs or like some like maybe like a halo icon moment or like a legendary moment or like something like that, you know, um, that's really like, and I'm not saying that like those have no risk either because they definitely do, but I just think that it's less likely that those get diluted. And it's just like, I'm not putting 80 bucks into a 12,000 LE. I just, well, I don't like that. To um, that point, you can't dilute S1. You can't really dilute I, I, S2 I rookie slash 4,000. Hmm? I wave. I much prefer S1. Right. And so, I mean, and that's where obviously like they're more expensive and stuff, but there's yeah. a reason why, while the S2s, we saw like, I talked to TJ the other day, like Zach Levine, I was buying at $20. It was up to $200. And I didn't, I, pay, I don't think I sold any, maybe one. Uh, and now it's like 29. But like the reason why that fluctuates so much, like, but then you compare it to an S1 Zach Levine, which like never went, to, never went to 10x but also never drop down to now 50%, 40% or whatever from like that absolute bottom. Um, and I think that's the thing where like you understand your risk profile, you understand what you're trying to go for. And yeah, these rookies might have a higher upside, but they have more risk. The S ones, you know what the player is, you know that they can't, they can't screw up the kind of oversaturation with moments and such. And, uh, you each find your strategy, and I'm hoping that I know that we've we've been on this for a while today, but I'm hoping that through these conversations, we kind of helped everyone here, kind of just kind of uh, you know, take take bits and pieces from what Max is saying, what TJ and I have been saying, take it to your strategy, and uh, try to improve that, and you know, um, ho hopefully that we helped a little. Yeah, yeah, good good conversation tonight, guys. It is we we've been approaching an hour and twenty minutes here, so <laughs> do want to to wrap up the show. Thanks to everyone for listening. I'll, I'll kick it to, to each of you guys for final closing thoughts before we, we fully end the show. So, uh, Max, I will go to you first, and then, Justin, you after. Any final thoughts? Max, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah. No, it was great to be on. I think we covered, like, a lot of really important topics for the future of Top Shot. I think that, like, I did say this in a thread earlier today, but I think, like, if there's one thing I would say, it's that you just have to be patient, right? Like, it is a beta. It's a beta. And the other thing I'd say is it's supposed to be fun. Like I am not in Top Shot because I'm trying to like flip a moment and like make $400. Like it, there are better ways to spend your time to make like a hundred bucks flipping something, right? I have been an NBA fan my whole life. Like, look, I'm wearing my gear right now. Like I used to work in the NBA. I work for the Timberwolves. Like uh, like I was writing for the NBA, like, you know, when I was in high school and college and stuff, like I love the NBA and I love like crypto. And this is just kind of a marriage of like a bunch of things I enjoy and the community is super supportive and awesome. So, you know, don't like, don't buy something because of a Twitter, like a Twitter thread, right? Like don't, don't like invest in like try to make a quick buck. Like I really believe in the platform long-term 
But like, even if I lose a hundred dollars on a moment or $200 in the moment, I really don't panic because like, it is fun. I love the community. I love researching it. I love buying it. I love watching my moments. I can't wait to get one of those things on my desk. I guys, I cannot wait to get like a rotating, like, like, you know, five by seven to like program with my moments and stuff like that. Like to display them like physically, like I'm so excited for that, but that's the fun of it, right? Like it's not about making a hundred bucks here or there. It's about like collecting, being there in the long term, and like getting packs and being a part of the community. That's what's so fun about Top Shot. And that's why I love it. Not because I'm trying to make a hundred bucks. And I really believe in Dapper Labs and the team in the long term. That doesn't mean I think I'm going to become a millionaire off of this or something like that. And uh, frankly, I don't really care if I do or not because it's fun and I like it. So that's why I do it. And that's why you should do it too if, if you are. So that's, that's like just kind of my final thought. It's supposed to be fun. And if you're not having fun, then you, know, you probably shouldn't be doing it. No, I love Absolutely. that. And uh, I think what, what I'll close with is, and I'll tag on what you mentioned where you're like, Hey, if I lose a hundred dollars, $200, like it's not the end of the world here. And like, Hey, if these were physical cards and you paid a decent amount of money for cards, you actually have some physical cards, just like we have moments and such. And uh, what you bought hasn't changed. So just because you may have gotten out there and you bought some moments and the marketplace, the current ask of it has decreased doesn't mean that the value or actually what you bought has changed at all. And so if you believe the same thing as you believe when you bought those moments about the long-term possibility, the long-term of this market, then stay with those beliefs because you haven't actually lost money. You haven't lost money unless you've actually given up and sold that. And you can sell if you want to sell, you want to buy something else, whatever. But like, what you bought hasn't actually decreased. Like you haven't lost anything. The same actual moment is still there. You're in this for the long haul if that's what you are, if it's a midterm, a long-term strategy. So just have an idea of what you're trying to get out of this. And as Max said, obviously there's the fun level. Obviously there's the collector. Obviously there's the kind of game aspect to it. Uh, but don't feel like just because you got in a month ago and the current valuation is down means that you've lost, means that you've lost money. In reality, all you've done is you've accumulated and you're riding it right now. And if you decide not to sell, that's great because if you believe that in the future it's going to go up, then you haven't lost anything. You're just along the ride. Yeah. Love that. You know, just because you bought 80 Al Horfords and the price went down <laughs> doesn't, doesn't mean that it's not still fun to own 80 Al Horfords. So I actually did buy an Al Horford and it did go down. That's why I have 80. Justin, Justin bought like 80 of them. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting on a bunch of you. We, we, we're sitting on a bunch of things that didn't quite work oh, yeah. out. But you know what? I love the story behind it. And uh, it, it's, it really is fun. Wait for the hardcore. I'm going to get Al Horford. I'm just going to oh, be throwing God. up all of these whatevers. Yeah. <laughs> just a starting five of five Al Horfords. Like, how could you possibly beat that? I mean, that's that's pretty much the the dream team right there. How does, he keep supercharge? how does he keep supercharging his Al Horford? Like, he has to run out of these. No. Nope. <laughs> Oh man. All right, gentlemen. Well, it was a, it was a blast chatting with you guys tonight. Thanks to everyone in the chat. Super fun stream, super informative. Sorry for going a little bit over time, but I think it was, was well worth it with all of the knowledge that was dropped by Justin and by Max tonight. So thanks to everyone for the show. We'll go ahead and close things out. So on behalf of Justin, on behalf of Max, and of course, on behalf of producer Coop behind the scenes, I am TJ Lasig and we will see you guys next time.